Hey, everybody, it's Pete. I'm back again. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know that this is a pre-recorded episode. Uh, this one goes to season nine. I see a bunch of requ- requests on here for us to cover season eight to ten. Well, Charles and Larry weren't there those years, but uh, Gretchen and Aaron were, and we have done a couple of those in our Patreon. And since we're not live this week, we decided to release two episodes. Uh, this one is You Say Goodbye, uh, I Say Hello, which is when Dylan comes back in season nine. Um, again, we'll be back live next week, July 7th, as we cover Castles in the Sand with Brooke. Um, I think it's going to be a blast. All right, enjoy this uh, pre-recorded episode, and we will see you back live next week. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. Are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode. Storyline by storyline. Character by character. As we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host. Pete Ferrero, like so many special guests, and all your questions, live on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. We are here on the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. I'm super excited about this particular episode. Um, We've been covering Thanksgiving, uh, you know, years past, and I thought, well, we can't not do this when we have to talk about the season nine one too because it's a important part of uh the history of the show i you know right off the bat to tell you guys gretchen aaron i love the seasons nine and ten and i love all the writing and all the work that you did in in the two in those two seasons uh it's incredible stuff and i love what's in uh, a lot of what's in this episode so anyway how was thanksgiving for both of you gretchen how's everything going Great. I had a very socially distant and safe Thanksgiving, but I ordered in some, um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I ordered in some some specialty food from there, and it was delicious. And so I was nice. It was very nice. Lots of TV watching. For sure. Uh, Gold Belly, is that where, where, where you I got I did it? it through Gold Belly, exactly. I love it. I'm addicted. And I went to a place called Permanti Brothers, and I was able to get their, their like, their hometown special sandwich, and it was delicious. So. Oh, I have had it. I've been to Pittsburgh. I've seen a Pirates game, and I have well, had it because I think it's in the stadium. I think they have those. Yeah, sandwiches. they have one in the stadium. That's correct. Yeah, so well yeah. done. You You really you hit the right places. That stadium's gorgeous. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's exciting, and Bull Belly is awesome. Uh, Aaron, how about you? How is uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, completely, completely relaxed. My mom had actually come out um, about uh, just over a week ago from Iowa. So we 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 all got our noses swabbed and you know stuck her out in the back house for a little while and just had a <laughs> and then put her to work cooking. So we yeah. had a just a three person Thanksgiving. It was really nice. Good plan. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. sweet. Uh, and then of course our, the director of this episode, Michael Lang, is here too. Michael, how was uh, Thanksgiving for you? We had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, my middle daughter, who was here in LA. Uh, came over and we had an outdoor lunch Thanksgiving. So, however, it was um, my wife actually, who's always right, uh, it's going to be kind of chilly out there. It was 68 degrees. I made fun of her saying that that would not be chilly, but it actually, it was kind of chilly just to sit out. <laughs> Plus, there was a huge amount of wind. So, yeah. uh, right. luckily we had Thai food, the traditional Thai Thanksgiving. It doesn't have wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a good That's time. Great. Um, 
I think it's, you know, let's get into this. I, I love this episode, as I said. Um, I think it's important that for fans who aren't familiar with the two of you to kind of talk about how, and then we talked about this a little bit when we had Lindsay on, but how you guys kind of got, Gretchen and Aaron got into the writing of 90210. Give us a little backstory on how you guys came into that into that world. Uh, Gretchen, we'll start with you. Well, uh, Aaron and I had been uh, assistants at the time in different places, and we were getting up early in the morning and writing and trying to put all our stuff together and get ready to go. And we were uh, had just signed with an, an agency at called Broder at the time, and they submitted us over to uh, 90210. And we were submitted in a couple places, but luckily Lori McCarthy over a weekend picked up our stuff, and we had done an Allie McBeal spec that was a little controversial at the time because it was about Georgia getting an abortion. And, um, and a, a lot of people didn't like it, but Lori saw something. Lori to me is one of the best, she's the most talented television writer I've ever worked with. She's so, she can tell stories and go places that make so much sense, but like you just are so surprised by and so entertained by. And she responded to it. And as the story goes, she took it to John Eisendrath and said, look, I like these guys. We're looking for staff writers. And I, what we heard was John Eisendrath said, I guess we can hire them. And if they don't work out, we'll fire them. <laughs> so, Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. We showed up like with total stars in our eyes. We, I remember when Aaron and I were driving and we're like, maybe they'll give us our own little cubby to share as you know, a little cubicle to like, that would be our little area and our space, like our own little, our own professional writing space. And Mr. Spelling, who is so like generous with the writers, we had our own offices. <laughs> we had parking wow. spots. Like yeah. it's crazy. And they were so welcoming. The staff was so welcoming and it was so wonderful. So that's kind of how we ended up there. Aaron, how do you, is that how you remember it too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember having to give notice, you know, um, three days notice at a job I had worked for three years. And, and literally we went from, you know, answering phones to, you know, being in a writer's room with, you know, John Eisendrath, who's also just a fantastic mentor and amazing. And, and amazing writer and showrunner and um, a really, really great staff. I mean, but it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I grew up in Indiana, split my life between Indiana and Florida. But when I was a young kid in Indiana, um, there were no other errands. I didn't, I didn't know any. And the only one I knew produced these TV shows that I loved. So mm -hmm. I always, you know, seized on seeing Aaron Spelling's name at the end of the credits. And it was fun when we got to meet him in person because he was very active in the show. He was very hands-on with 90210 um, to the end. Um, I just remember meeting him and him saying, there's only room for one Aaron in this town. Uh, and that was like, I, I was, that was it. That was like the dream come true. So it was a really fun time. Now you were both fans of 90210. Yeah. Um, I certainly lived in the United States of America and was aware of it and saw it every once in a while. But when I was growing up, I had, in my household, I was allowed two hours of television a week. Mm. So I had some, crazy homework to do in those three days <laughs> before we started there. Aaron, on the other hand. I watched it religiously. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was crazy to have been someone who watched it as a high school student and then that a show would be on so long that then I could have ended up writing for it. Um I I I I let it sort of lapse in the college years a little bit just because I didn't have a TV in college, but I watched all the high school stuff and then 
as it, you know, coming back around, moving to LA and stuff, I, I probably watched, you know, like seasons, you know, seven and eight. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was it, it was an amazing thing to get to write for it because it was just, uh, it, it was it was it was one of my favorite shows growing up. And you get to do a, this particular episode. There's a lot of fun, and the one that follows this, there's a lot of fun callbacks, you know, to old school nine hundred two one zero going. To, to the co- to the school and all that stuff. So, um, but so at the at the beginning of this season nine, Jason Priestley leaves the show. Um, were you in the mix of any of that? Did you know that that was a thing that was happening? How 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 yeah? That had been. I, I think it had been decided that Jason wasn't going to be sticking around. I mean, I think it was very clear what episode he was leaving. I feel like he stayed through episode four or something like that, maybe. Um, and I think at the time as well, um, it was known that Tiffany was going to be getting ready to go, too. Um, I, I don't think when we signed on that Luke had committed when that season began. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I seem to recall, um, you know, John having to jump out of the room and negotiations and you know whispers of whether or not it would whether or not Luke would be would be doing it and what you know in what capacity and um, I think that came together you know pretty quickly I mean I think I, I kind of remember working on the script and and honestly we didn't know mm. if he would end up becoming coming in at the end of that episode or the beginning of next um, that was sort of I think a little bit loosey goosey at the time. Gretchen, how do you remember that? Yeah, same. Yeah, same. I, I I think we were in the very beginning. We we did know that that Jason was leaving, and I think Aaron and I were just so happy to be there that we were just absorbing everything that was going on. And I remember the the Jason exit was really like everybody had been there for so long, and it was all happening on very high levels, and who was handling it and as far as writing and everything else, which makes total sense because he'd been there the longest time. And um, from the beginning, obviously, because the show started about him. Um, and um, so I I remember like there were rumors that Luke was coming back and Aaron and I had been assigned episode seven because in the room they start sort of saying, okay, you're gonna do this one, this one, this one, this one. And all of this stuff just started hitting in episode seven. And so by the time like it was finally determined that Luke was coming back in episode two, and this is the first episode of television we've written professionally. It was mind blowing and so exciting. It was like winning the lottery, but then going back to work the next day and winning the lottery again, and then winning the lottery again and again and again. It was great. Right, it must be like, you're like, okay, so the, we got see the episode seven, who knows what that's gonna be. Wait a minute. This I mean, is, normally. This is where we're debuting Gina Kincaid. Yes. This is the one where Luke is coming back. You know, it's like, it must yeah. have just It was crazy. And then Michael Lang was directing it. Right. So it was super, super exciting. Because we actually were a big fan of his. We were a huge fan of his work. His episodes are always really fun. They so, are. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Michael, uh, do you remember coming and getting the, a call about this episode and that Luke is coming back and they're bringing ba- you back to, well, bringing everybody back <laughs> to to direct this? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I think they usually booked me ahead of, at the beginning of the season. I usually got booked for all my shows. But when I found out that this was the one where Luke was probably coming back, it was very exciting because, you know, as me and the rest of the world were huge fans of Luke Perry. Yeah, I have. I actually have a funny. There's only room for one Adam. I mean, Aaron in the world. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with this episode, but it does have to do with Aaron, mm-hmm. Mr. <laughs> Aaron. Uh, uh, I, I was 
I was um, I had a child. My third child was born a few days after I finished shooting a pilot for them for spelling, and his name was going to be Adam. So, and you know, Aaron asked about how it was going, and he was really sweet about the whole thing. So now I go in, I finish shooting, I do my cut, I go in to present my cut to him, and you know, he said this unbelievable gift. You know, it was a sterling this and a mink that, and it was <laughs> like ridiculous. And uh, so I get in, and I'm sitting with him, and I'm, he said, "Oh, before we get started, how's little Aaron Lang doing?" So I said, no, no, it's stupid, though. I said, oh, it's Adam. And he said, without missing a beat, he said, Beth, cancel that $100,000 check to Adam. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. The most prolific television producer at the time. Yeah. And possibly ever. he still remembered those kind of little things. It was, you know, it was pretty wild. Little That's to awesome. him, to me, it was big. Huge, yeah. Or it seems now, like he was always very... Is about to go off seems like he was very personable, and everybody sort of has those, those stories about Aaron and meeting Aaron, and it's always such a big deal. And we've heard I've heard that quite a bit over the time I've been doing the show, so very awesome to hear that. Um, so when you now know that Dylan is coming back, um, there's a couple of elements that you can play with, right? There's the fact that they left this open-ended thing about Dylan's dad uh, for you guys. And they also, uh, you know, then you could play with the fact that, you know, Tony had died and we never really got, re- there's a couple of unresolved Dylan uh, elements. And I mean, Aaron, I guess you're a fan. So you, you knew those things, right? Did you, what, what were some of the conversations about, well, Dylan's coming back. What do we want to do? What were some of those early conversations like yeah i mean we 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 definitely knew that we had things we knew we knew that we had story i mean fortunately like you know aaron spelling would always say like don't ever kill a character off because you you know you can always bring them back i mean that was just one of those things where you just don't ever be definitive about whether or not someone's dead um and it you know certainly paid off because we managed to get a lot of story out of his father um and and then of course we took him down the 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 heroin path. So that was another thing that we knew we were tracking, you know, we were tracking through from there. Um, you know, the show was so we did it so quickly. I mean, it was just you know, in terms of production, I mean, it just um for as for as good and as polished as it looks, it was unbelievable how quickly it was done. And um the writers too we didn't have a ton of time i mean we were doing i think that season we we may have done 24 or 26 episodes i I can't remember maybe 24. um and that was and michael i don't remember how many days you had to shoot your episodes what what, i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a gigantic amount of time were they Uh, yeah so that's really what was that say seven you said seven i think i'm yeah, seven days. And yeah. we were supposed to keep it no longer than 10 to 12 hours. That's it. Right. Wow. No overtime, right. Oh, right. yeah. I mean, if we went 12 hours on that show, I mean, there, there was, you know, it just didn't happen. And so, um, and I, I say that just because the writing staff, too, it was just like running like Indiana Jones and that and that boulder is behind us in terms of, 
you know, because they shoot, they shot the show so quickly, they needed more material and they needed more material. And when you worked at spelling, um, a director had a script days before prep. I mean, it, you know, now when you work on a show, a director is lucky mm -hmm. if they get a script the last day of prep, which is inexcusable when it comes to treating TV as a, as a business, you know, as a, as a, as a, as something that runs on budgets and things like that. So at the time we were moving so quickly that I know we had a couple of ideas in place just in terms of, in terms of Luke, in terms of Dylan's backstory that we knew we could go to, but that was also the idea of bringing in Gina. Mm -hmm. So we had sort of a new, a new uh, thing to chart. And then also having Matt, um, Daniel Cosgrove's character enter as well. And, you know, what I had forgotten, um, I mean, I, I always knew this about Danny, but I mean, Danny, like, wow, did he come alive and shine in that episode? I mean, yeah. we loved him from day one, the whole writing staff did. And I think the cast really did as well. The nicest guy and super talented, but that too, his performance in that episode was terrific because all of a sudden when Luke walks yeah. in the door, you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm seeing a triangle right away. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, more than sort of leaning into what happened in the past with that character, I think John and, and Lori um, were eager to push it forward into the present in terms of setting the chessboard up that way. Yeah, it definitely, that's definitely coming across. And I love that. Um, do you feel, I asked you about Jason leaving or Brandon leaving. Do you feel like, um, Matt is a, some people have said that they think that Matt is a Brandon replacement. And I don't feel that Matt is a Brandon replacement. Oh, yeah. I feel like there are elements of Matt that are Brandon-esque maybe, but for the most part, he becomes his own character, especially in this episode. You start to see uh, Matt become, you know, he's not, he's not a successful lawyer, right? He's, he's right. broke. There's right. a lot elements to his character that are definitely way different where Brandon is sort of built on success and doing the right thing. Uh, Matt is the total opposite of that. So if I think if fans were looking for that out of Matt, they weren't going to get it. Mm -mm. Um, so talk to me about Matt, actually. Um, Gretchen is, was that an important element that we didn't want him to be Brandon too? Yeah, I think exactly. Cause I feel like there, what I feel like, Danny did with the character and also what we were trying to do was some bring something new into the show that wasn't there before because very few shows have as many main cast members who carry story than I think 90210, the first classic Beverly Hills 90210. And that means you churn through stories. And that means that like so many things have already been done. And that's why we never left the writer's room. And I think to bring, a, you wouldn't want to repeat a character anyway just because you want a new point of view. And what I love about what Danny did with it is he didn't use the sort of newness to the group or the um, different background or experience as any kind of weakness. It was almost like what his strength that he leaned into, the character leaned into, but I also felt like, like I never felt like Daniel was trying to play anything other than Matt, if that makes sense. Like he yes. very much came in and was his own character his own person he had a different almost tempo he even had to seem seem to have every once in a while you can hear almost like a new york accent or something going on with him 
And so no one else really had that. And that was really exciting for us. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, let's be honest, here's a secret. It's a soap opera. You know, who's going to probably at the end of the day, end up with the who, whom and who are going to be together and who's going to get married at Merv Griffin's hotel. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you gotta like make sure that people are along for the journey. And he, I really felt like he always was there exactly he never sort of like pretended to be anything he wasn't as a character as in the actor and it it made him very um winning and wholesome and interesting and so yeah like i you're right i mean i think the fact that like that character smoked and they did certain like there were things that we didn't really it was just different and also i think i don't know i would never talk to jenny garth about this but she was able to react to him in a totally different way like he was a, a totally different element to the to the story so yeah, no, he was he was a he was a great he was a great success for the show. I feel like oh, definitely. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways, he gave it stu- like much like Janet did. You know, gave it stability yeah. at a time when a lot there was a lot of moving parts and a lot of people coming and going, and you needed Matt to be there, and also Noah. You know, we can, yeah. we'll talk about Noah too. Aaron, uh, what what is your thoughts on the whole thing with uh, what I was just talking about with Matt and 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 Brandon and the comparison? Um, well, I think the thing that was nice about all of the new blood that got added to the show was that, um, you know, the the thing that was incredible watching the latest version of 90210 when the cast came back um, is just like, what you know, people don't think that, uh, some people might think, oh, the actors were their characters. It's so not true. Because like watching Jenny step back into the part of Kelly, you know, even even in the in the couple of different iterations, you know, that have happened where she, played the character again. Um, so they were so consistent. The actors were so consistent. They knew exactly who they were. They'd been on the show for so long. They they knew they knew what lane the character was in. And and Mr. Spelling also very much kept them in their lanes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were times when you'd try to do something for I wish I had this script page. I wish I had saved it where we had done something for Donna, a line or two. And he used to do notes on our scripts. And then you get the script back in his handwriting. And there was something, it was like, you're making Donna a slut. Underlined, 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 underlined. So and like, we weren't so supposed there. to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure whatever Donna did wasn't that bad, but um, yeah. it, it certainly didn't, it didn't, it didn't go over well. So the long and the short of it is that those characters had a definite lane, the original characters. And so adding these new people in, um, it brought a whole different energy because they weren't set in stone yet. And Brandon got pretty sanctimonious toward the end of the, I mean, he was always built on that, you know, he took that character took himself so seriously. Yeah. And I think what's cool about what Danny did with Matt is this was a guy who didn't care if he looked like an idiot, you know, he did it in such a charming way. And, and, and yeah. Lindsay as well, like yeah. they both, they just didn't, so they took the, they took the work seriously and their character <laughs> seriously, but they didn't take, but they allowed themselves to kind of show up warts and all. And that was what I think was so refreshing. I think that's why their scenes with, with you know, when Danny's with Jenny or when um, Lindsay's with Ian, and even, um, even um, when Vanessa would act with Luke, it was nice to just have this, this um, a, an actor come in who you didn't know what you were gonna get. And sure. then of course you could pivot back to a, 
to a Kelly and Dylan scene and feel that same energy that they had when they were in high school. Yeah. So, so with Matt, yeah, I don't think he was a, I don't think he was a replacement for Brandon at all because he, that, that character ended up having secrets. He ended up lying. You know, he, 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 he often, um, you know, he often made bad choices. So um, Brandon just didn't do that as much at the end. Yeah. And throughout. Yeah. I mean, and even the fact that Matt is just a small thing, but Matt is dancing. That's a thing that Brandon doesn't do. We all know that Brandon. Never. <laughs> yeah. So immediately we're seeing something totally different out of out of Matt. Michael, I'm curious for you, you've directed uh, the original cast in you know, various different ways. What is it like as you see this shifting um, and, you know, new characters coming in some of the ones that you know how to easily direct, you've worked with Jason for so long. What is that like for you as a director? Um, I think it's similar to writing new characters. It's unexplored uh, territory. So you can have a little more freedom to try stuff out. Although again, you know, you definitely hear from Aaron, not this Aaron, the Aaron. Uh, right. The only Aaron. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on sunglasses, that was a no-no, no matter who the character was. Um, <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it was fun to try out as, as the new characters were sort of finding their way. Um, it, that, that, you know, that was an element that was really fun to explore and play with. Within a pretty tight amount of time, though, on on nine oh two and oh, you didn't have a lot of time to experiment. You just had to keep shooting. Uh, and what about directing Daniel as Matt? What was he like to to direct? He was a joy, total joy. Actually, you know what? All all of those actors were a joy. They they all, as Aaron was saying, they all knew who they were. They knew who their characters were. They were very prepared. I mean, because on that show, and, and I, I so often wish that more shows were like this, there were consequences if you were not prepared. And the consequences were you had to go see Mr. Spelling. And no one ever wanted to go see Mr. Spelling. Because that, that would not be a fun meeting. And so, you know, basically everyone was very professional and always prepared. But again, with Daniel, you know, he was just such a nice guy anyway. Um, and just fun to work with and, you know, responded really well to suggestions and, and uh, also extremely prepared. And he really wanted to do well in that, in the, you know, it was relatively new for him. So, you know, it was great. It was great. We touched on Valerie um, or Tiffany leaving. Um, and the same com- comparison comes up sometimes with, Gina being the the you know the bad girl. We're gonna lose Valerie, who's great a great foil for, for Kerry, Ke- excuse me Kelly. Uh, there's always that conflict between the two of them. Was that conscious to bring in? We need that sort of we need that element to the show, and we're losing Tiffany, so Gina's gonna have similar similar uh, aspects to her, but only in in a Gina way. Right. No, it does sound like really maybe formulaic and strategic and, but at the end of the day, you do want something like that represented it, it, that, that sort of energy. And I had forgotten this to be honest, but I, I think, you know, with, with Valerie, you got the feeling that she was a bad girl, but it took like a lot, it took a lot longer to understand who she was and why. 
because it was a soap opera. So it took, you know, it, it took, it took its time. We, we set up Gina's damage and why she is the way she is in that first episode so quickly that I was like, whoa, I get her. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the fact that it, like her, the person she is always looking at and comparing herself to is Donna was also a different element too, in that, you know, she talks about lit, coming from the other side of the tracks. She talks about like getting the hand-me-downs. I think it's in the next episode even, or, or maybe it was this episode, maybe it's the next episode. But she just, right away you understand growing up how her mother had an attitude towards her sister, Donna's mom, and how she had an attitude towards her cousin Donna growing up. And you just get that character right away. And it does, you don't necessarily forgive her, but you're, right, you're set up to understand what her issue is. And in in a weird, like sometimes it's fun to like hold things back, but in a weird way you were set up to be like, oh, show me what you're going to do now. Like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to get really juicy. And Vanessa was awesome at that. She did a great job. So yeah, I think she did bring us a kind of energy or just like when you're putting together a cocktail party or a basketball team or football team, you're very much making sure everything is covered, but like, you know, you remember the individual players for what they bring to the party. And I think she did bring something really different. Like I can't see, um, I can't see Gina tossing that turkey out the back door the way that mm-hmm. that Tiffany did it with Valerie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, which is hysterical. So, you know. I forgot we did. We had to fight so hard to have that moment. <laughs> we had to fight so hard to get that to stay in the script. Well, I mean, holidays are super, you know, one thing I've learned in this past week of doing these Thanksgivings, you know, holiday episodes are important to the spelling sort of a makeup. They're always going to be one. Um, Did you know? Well, I don't know if you knew that this was going to be the Thanksgiving episode. Maybe you did calendar wise. Did you and did you know how important that was? Yeah. We did know. I mean, because it was, again, such a different time. I mean, that that show was on in its in its time slot on that day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. clockwork. I mean, no uncertainty. Yeah, That just doesn't happen anymore. And we knew, we knew exactly when our air dates were. So we were crafting all of the holidays in advance. And, and yeah, he loved, Aaron Spelling loved, loved, um, loved a holiday episode as a spine for, for a show. I mean, he just, he, he definitely knew what worked well when it, when it, when it came to that sort of stuff. And so we always did that. And I think for first time writers like us, it was so nice to have that thing to be writing to or that that sort of um, just knowing the theme or the or or knowing that we're going to get we're going to build to this one special event that's so familiar to everybody. And we're going to do our own new twist on it in this season of this episode of television. But it was I think it was nice for us too to be able to go to our first television episode written together for a major network um, having that sort of like, okay, we're doing a Thanksgiving episode. So we, we at least know there'll be, you know, a gathering of friends, a toast, a turkey, and some tears and some laughter. <laughs> um, I think it's so significant to talk about Tiffany leaving because when Brenda left, Tiffany gives this show a whole new life and energy and almost in some ways saves the show. I mean, you know, it could be, could be argued. And so when we're going to lose or le- this character is going to leave, 
that must be very tough for you guys as writers and for the, the directors because it's someone that you know can deliver and go to in a different way than Jason, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that aspect like for you guys when you know that Tiffany is leaving the show, Gretchen? I personally was um, crushed that we were only going to write one episode for her because mm-hmm. we were fans. And she is, she, I, I think Tiffany is a television star in a way that like everybody on that show is a television star. They cast a, a show of television stars, but she is, she has an effortlessness to her. And I think it, it, maybe it gets to also, you get to do it when you get to be this sort of like the, the, the spunky bad girl, but she plays it so beautifully and she's so much fun and she's got so much life. So yeah, no, I mean, we were really excited to get to work with her for that episode or write for her for that episode. But we were, we were like, Oh, well, we wish we were sticking. She was sticking around for a little more. Cause this would have been really, really fun. But she, how, we got her, we got the one. This was good. How about you, Aaron, watching her leave? You were a fa- super fan. So, you know, the, yeah. the of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we knew what we were losing for sure. I mean, I, we didn't get to write for Tiffany a lot, but in the, in the writers room breaking stories for Valerie, um, we knew we knew what we were losing. I mean, again, that character had gone through a ton of stuff, even early on in that season. It was shocking, like how much stuff that character went through. And then, of course, like you know, I, I my jaw dropped in that scene where David's like, "Well, Kelly, her her father molested her and didn't stop until she killed him." <laughs> it's like Kelly's like, "Oh." All right. Like, I mean, the ability, like, we just kept just that train never, never stopped rolling. So, um, so we had done a lot with her, you know, with that, with that character. Um, and she was going to be greatly missed. And she was friendly, you know, obviously, like she and Jenny and, and, and Tori, they were all really close friends. And, um, and so, there was that idea too that 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 you know a friend was leaving the show for for the cast. I mean, everybody loved Tiffany. Um, it was I think I think I think what was interesting was, um, in the same way that Danny Cosgrove was not Brandon, Vanessa Marcel was not Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Um, and so I think for the writers, there might have been an impulse to be like, let's let's throw her what we would throw Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in starting out of the gate, let's let, let's give her these these you know cutting you know one liners. Let, let let's give her some of this stuff that that might have been more appropriate for Valerie. Um, and to Vanessa's credit, she went the other way with that stuff. You know, she found she found her own way to play that part. And I, you know, it's it, it's interesting because um, sometimes we would learn with Vanessa. And again, like I, I, looking back on it now, she was clearly making choices to make this character a three-dimensional person. Yeah. And sometimes she would take a joke and she would sell it in a different way. And watching the performances now, you go back and you look at it and you're like, wow, that was a really interesting, it was interesting what she did. And it was interesting that she didn't descend into a Tiffany Amber Thiessen impersonation. Yeah. And I think that that's why ultimately, you know, she was brought in through the lens of, Here's how she's different. We're going to have her hate Donna, you know. We're going to have her. We're going to have her going up against Donna. Whereas it was Valerie and Kelly, you know. This is going to be. She's solely oriented toward making Donna's life hell. Well, that ended up. I think it was interesting that she quickly moved off of Noah and pivoted to to Luke because Gina's character turned into a complete psychosexual mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 depth of her like 
disturbed self-esteem issues. I mean, like the stuff that she, that she, that we ended up doing for her, I think it was also just in a reaction to being like, okay, you know, putting on a Valerie hat onto this actor, into this character, isn't what we need to do. Like she needs to go down a much darker path and she should do it with Luke Perry. She should do yeah. it with Dylan. Yeah. So, you know, and that just happens when you're introducing new people. Like we didn't know, none of us knew Vanessa. I mean, we knew her from her feature career and we knew, and, and she, and she came on and she was ready to play and she was game. Talk about someone who was always prepared. Mm -hmm. um, but it would, it took a little while to kind of figure out how to use her best. For sure. Uh, let's talk about Noah. Um, and I want to ask Michael, Michael, you always get the accidents and these, these crazy, <laughs> you know, things that are happening. Uh, Noah's character has, this drunk driving accident. Um, do you remember shooting that out with, with uh, Vincent? Um, I actually did not remember it until I reviewed the episode the other day. And then I saw, ah, oh, it's the, it's the spelling way of doing a hit and run where you just see the Jeep drive off out of frame and then do the sound effect. <laughs> so you don't need a stunt man. You don't need anything. It's the sound effect. It, and it, it totally worked. Yeah, it works. <laughs> because, you know, it was until until uh, late, much later in the episode, you know, you didn't find out it wasn't him, you know, or, you know, so that was kind of cool. But, you know, again, I mean, not to sound repetitive, but he, you know, Noah was great also. You know, I re realized I shot um, Tiffany's first episode and her last. Yes. And I yeah. also shot Shannon Doe's last episode. Yeah. So oh, I wow. I'm the character killer. <laughs> no, you're in the bookends, man. You're yeah. solid. Did you, you, did you do the one where she, pulls the joint, where she pulls the joint out of the little hidey hole at the Walsh house? Yep. Oh, my God. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what do you think? Michael, what is your thoughts on Tiffany? I didn't. I don't know that I asked you that, but what was your thoughts on watching that character leave? You shot her last scenes with... Brian, which I thought was also very appropriate that Brian walks is the one that walks her away because they've had so much significance there. Uh, what was it like shooting out those scenes with uh, Tiffany? You know, again, I mean, it was, I really, really liked working with her and her character was just so much fun. Um, so it was sad, you know, it was sad knowing that I wasn't going to work with her on that show again. So, and then also it was a, a little bit of a big deal because we actually had to go on location to shoot her driving away in the taxi cab. So yeah. that was always a big deal on a special going to location. Yeah, I, I mean, the, that was, the Wal was that the Walsh house that you shot yeah, that at? Yeah. yeah. In Pasadena. Or it might yeah. be... Uh, it's Altadena, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's such a thing as Pasadena. Yeah. Altadena, that's right, Altadena. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I know um, because I live two fun. minutes from. I live in Altadena, and I live only a few minutes away from that house. <laughs> yeah, coincidence, Peter. Um, <laughs> I love it. it. Felt like home. This area. <laughs> funny location. There was another kind of fun location thing that happened on that episode, very unusual. Which is you. I don't know. You remember the scene on the Santa Monica Pier? So we originally were, you know, we, we were not going to go to the Santa Monica Pier. That would be, you know, prohibitive in every in every way. Uh, so we found this um, little sort of, it, it, it's a little mini mall on uh, Ventura Boulevard near Whit, Whit, um, Woodley. 
and they had a little carousel. We said, oh, this will be perfect. No one will ever know. Well, we shoot it, and sure enough, someone did know. Aaron, not this Aaron, the other. He knew. He said, that was supposed to be on Santa Monica Pier. And we had to reshoot it, which was a big deal. So, and again, we weren't going to go to Santa Monica Pier, so we built on stage, we built about a 50 or 60 foot section of the Santa Monica Pier. Wow. That scene. Wow. And then I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. There were visual effects back then, so uh, we had to shoot it. We didn't have a backing or anything for the ocean or the moon or anything. So I felt it would look very kind of static and unreal. So I had a, we, we got a fake seagull and put it on some piano wire and with little wheels behind it so that it actually flew through the back of the frame on the walk and talk down the pier. No you see the seagull going by. And the script supervisor said, I don't think seagulls fly at night. So I said, I don't really care what you think. <laughs> they do now. <laughs> right. And don't worry about the seagull at night. Yeah. It's a wow. seagull. But it was funny when I when watching it, Michael, because clearly he, Aaron Spelling was super psyched about this episode because we we did more location work than we ever, ever, ever. I was like, wait a second, we went to a grocery Everywhere. store. We went to, I mean, this was this was not yeah. done. I mean, this and shot at night on location. This right. stuff was not done. The videos, all. all that stuff. It was amazing. All of I kept it. going, like, by the way, you don't do that at all anymore unless you're doing a pilot and you have to be on location for everything. It was it was chock full. That episode, it, it looked gorgeous. You went yeah, everywhere. It was great. Yeah. And I always love seeing the supermarket. Uh, you know, when they do that at the top of the episode, you used it for um, David running into Valerie, right? And 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 they they did a. We were talking about one from season six where they utilized the supermarket too. Everybody went shopping. Do you remember shooting supermarket stuff, Michael? Do you remember being on location to shoot that too? Oh yeah, yep. And you know, obviously, we would have to just find us. You know, we, we decide what's the most important location. And then you just find other ones that are that will work around it, because you know again yeah. you're not going to go out. I mean, I think normally that show was, it was probably usually maybe one or two days out, and then the rest on stage. And this one I think was three or four days out, and we only had a few stage days plus the reshoot, of course, which was uh, humiliating but fun. <laughs> The other, amazing. the other storyline going on in this is with David. When I watched it, though, I, watched it I, was, I was shocked at how many locations there were. Because yeah. it just yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. There's this other thing with David and the underage girl, um, which was shocking to me because I guess right. I, don't know, I don't know if this would play today. I, you know, I kept thinking about all the things that were written in this over the two episodes, the one that comes after this, too. Uh, what is your thoughts on the the David storyline, Gretchen? I well, watching it this recently, I watched it like this. Having written it, I watched it like this. I couldn't. I was like, I I know we did this story on the show, and I it like even watching it again, it blew my mind. And I think I think we knew 
going into it, I think I think we were, I remember being happy we were starting the story and not being the ones necessarily who were wrapping up the story because I mean we all did it in the room together, but like that's that was going to be an alley oop. That was it. It, it that was heavy. That was a very no. heavy thing. Yeah, you talk about. I mean that that episode feels like such a time capsule. Yeah. I mean, if someone wants to know what life looked like or what we were just talking about or how we were, how we handled certain things in the late nineties, a beeper. Yes. Uh, a video store. Yes, exactly. And then, and then a light statutory rape story. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so, it was sort of like, I mean, much much like and, and how it impacts the guy who's being accused yeah, of and how and how and how she's really making his life hell. I mean, I I I can't believe it. I mean, the, obviously these conversations were being had back then, but in such a different way from now. You know, this story would not. This story wouldn't happen this way. And um, but it was always it was always like a um, you know I I we always picked issues mm-hmm. that that the characters could get on one side or the other on. And then, I mean, so much of the show in the, in those last two seasons, John um, is really political, really super smart. Um, And, and um, you know, I don't think we were sort of like, you know, like charging down, like this is an issue show, but we often did pick things that were happening, just like just ripping it from the headlines and stuff. So I, I, I have a feeling that, this must have been in the water somewhere, you yeah. know, in terms of a storyline like this and and what's the gray area. But um, it's just not, it's not gray anymore. I'm curious, Matt yeah. is a lawyer. Are you guys coming up with a whole bunch of legal things for these for the other characters to happen so that Matt has some work? Is that a part of it too? Yeah. We were always looking for an engine, you know, yeah. anything that could be a plot engine. I mean, I can't believe we got so many stories out of a retail store. <laughs> um, I'm not. What? <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, no, that, that was for sure. I mean, I think as we were thinking about, like, what can this new character do? How can this character bring us um, stories? For sure, that was that was one of the reasons that he was an attorney, yeah. Do you know at all, I mean, this might be before you guys, but do you know where the characters get their names from, Gina Kincaid and Matt Learning? I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm wondering if you guys know where you pull, name from, pull names Gina, from. Gina was named for my aunt. I have an aunt, Gina. Very I don't cool. know where we got, I don't know where we got Kincaid. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is you come up with the name that you really want and you submit it and then they go out into the world that people with that name exists. Yeah then you can't use it. Um, and I, then they'll come back to you with like, well, you can't have Smith, but we'll give you 62 other versions. And so you sit there in the writer's room and you go, Gina Jones, no, Gina Kincaid. And like you, sometimes I think, I think that's how we might've ended up with her last name, to be honest, or sometimes that happens with other people. But yes, I remember Gina being named after Aaron's aunt. That's very cool. What about Matt? Do you know where you got Matt turning from? No. Mm-mm. no. Yeah, that's might the name before we got there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. I do. I do remember that we always had to be on doormat watch because <laughs> um, because we wanted to make sure that he wasn't always getting beaten up by Kelly <laughs> in terms of getting kind of you know she would often try to mop the floor with that character. So we were always like, uh oh, don't let him be a doormat. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of 
things too. You kind of referenced this before, Aaron. Um, in terms of the triangle, you were a fan of the show, so you knew that thematically, uh, Brandon. There's multiple triangles in the history of the show. Is that something that you, as, first of all, as a fan, that you were like, "Oh, this will be fun to play the, the Dylan Matt uh, Kelly triangle." And are you consciously doing that, knowing like the hit that's a theme in the nine hundred two and zero world and universe? I mean that, yeah. I mean that that was something that was um, so important to so many people that 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 you know Dylan, Brenda, Kelly, you know triangle so so important. I mean I, I would say that when it came to um, my and Gretchen's kind of con- contributions on the show, I would say less of it. We were we were young. I mean I was twenty five. When 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 we were where we were really really young and I was and, <laughs> um, and didn't have as much just didn't have as much of that like like um, rom- all those romantic entanglements and all of that yeah. kind of drama. Um, oftentimes, the person who was just a pro at doing that was Laurie. Like Lo- like Laurie's just like and and John too. Like they were just experts at like thread that needle, and so a lot of that was us watching really just watching and learning how to do that and how to, you know, get something going. And just when you think it's going to head down that path, like turn it back around. And, and, and so I would say when it came to a lot of the triangle stuff, that was really a lot of that was accomplished by, by, um, by our bosses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that how you remember that too, Gretchen? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it a million times after this, it was the best first job any writers could have because there was such experience and there was such history and it was a, I, it was such a kind place to work to Wait, we didn't get to go to set a lot because like we were saying before, it was a factory. So like everybody knew exactly what their job was and, and you know, what was required of you and that's what you did. And then there'd be times when as Aaron, I think we've mentioned this before, we would, We'd be like, we got our work done. Can we drive up to into the valley to go to the set? And we would go and they would be so welcoming and so great. It was a really, really happy place to be. But it was also, it was, and I'm saying boot camp in a way where you just got thrown in with such professionals who had been doing this for so long, but we learned so much just by being amongst all the people there. And it started with Mr. Spelling all the way down. And that cast even was so even though they were still very young, they were so experienced and so many hours of television under their belt or in films even. And and so we learned a ton. It was the best first job I think we ever could have hoped for. It was fantastic. Now there's a, there's a controversial thing that happens in this episode that people, you know, fans just pull their hat on in which when Dylan gets arrives at the house, Steve opens a bottle of champagne and hands Dylan a drink. And this has become, uh, you know, a hot topic because Dylan in the past went through recovery for alcoholism and went to AA and always had a sponsor. We talked a little bit before about David having this, you know, underage relationship and all this. Are you guys aware of Dylan's alcohol, uh, you know, addictions and his problems then? And what do you say to that criticism that, uh, you know, Dylan should definitely not have had a drink and Steve should not have offered it? Aaron and I were just talking about this, actually, because, uh, you know, it, seeing that happen also, we did know that that was the case. And I and the way we remember it, and please check it, check sources or whatever, 
um, is that it was something that Luke felt when he came back, he's like, well, he'd be drinking or like character would be drinking. And I think, and we talked about it in the room and there was, and again, there's times also when you're the staff writers, you, you hear the topic of conversation, then conversations happen in other rooms and you're not part of them. But I think now looking back in retrospect, it makes total sense why I could see why like the actor and also from a story point of view, why when we're bringing him back, like we're bringing him back where he's very much a person who is still on his journey of trying to get over the trauma and the grief and, and the pain in his life. I understand why he would be leaning on things again, like crutches again, that are not good for him a self-destructive sort of thing. And I also understand like bringing a character back, not at the end of their journey on certain things. So you can pick them up on the journey again and help like watch them go through the struggles to get to the end. So they are like more of the finished character at the end of the journey of the story. Um, go ahead. No, 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 finish your no, thought. That's it. Like, that was pretty much it. That was the end of my thought. I, I was curious about Michael, what, what Michael would say, because I don't, I mean, sometimes too, it's like, and I, I hate to reduce it to this, but, um, you might get there and you're blocking the scene and it's suddenly like, well, we're supposed to do this toast. Oh, but Luke, you shouldn't have, I mean, sometimes it literally like these things that everybody is, the audience is tracking and holds so dear. Sometimes people just, it just slips through the cracks too, oh. you know, which I, which I would hate. I don't, I don't want you to think that like, we just sit there willy nilly um, throwing out things that people hold dear, but sometimes it really, you can come down to the day. That's what I'm curious what Michael has to say about it because it might've been like that Ian had forgotten about Luke's about Dylan's problem because by that point too they were really only tracking themselves and their own storylines I mean what was interesting about and I am not throwing the actors under the bus at all but it's sort of like Ian may have even it could have even slipped his mind or he may have had the champagne and the glasses and it would just it wouldn't occur to him mm. to not offer you know so there's a lot of weird things there's a yeah. lot of ways that it, that it goes down I agree with Gretchen that where we took him with the heroin stuff um that yeah, I could see him drinking. It is interesting though how Steve ended up handing him that. And I, I but Michael would have been there right there yeah. when what it do was you going think about down. Michael, do you remember yeah. that? I don't specifically remember, but but knowing, you know, working with Luke, I'm I guarantee you this came up on the day, and I'm sure we talked about it at length. No, I mean not at great length, but I'm sure we definitely talked about it. And I have a feeling it's it probably boiled down to something what Gretchen was saying. I mean, he's back and he's still, you know, not finished with his journey. So he doesn't know where it's gonna go. And also it was a celebratory time. And I think, you know, a lot of people who have habits like that make excuses for, well, just I'll have this one champagne, it's a special occasion. But I guarantee you that we discussed it because Luke was that kind of an actor. That yeah. He would not have gotten, obviously. I think no. was very Ian did forget, but Luke would definitely not have forgotten. So it was I, no, he it, yeah he he had a he had an opinion for sure. Yeah, for sure, I agree with you, Michael, hundred percent. Okay, but uh, one thing you guys did get right in the next episode, um, and I'm not saying that you got that wrong. I actually think Gretchen, I think Gretchen nailed what you said right because I feel like with 
those types of characters, I feel I do feel like you're getting you're tracking them on the journey, and I think that's a very like a very fair answer to that that comment. Um, but I do love in the next episode the dialogue between uh, Kelly and Dylan. Where there's this this mystery of why is Dylan back in Beverly Hills 90210, and I love that it became a very simple. I miss my friends. This is my home. This is where I belong. And I love the dialogue that you two wrote between the two of them uh, on the beach and whatnot. Do you remember writing, or I, I don't know if you guys wrote that dialogue. We did it. John, I, I don't John, think we did. John, John Eisendrath wrote that episode. So I'm going to obviously, and by the way, as again, junior writers, a lot of times you'll see our names and John Eisendrath would have written some of the dialogue in our episode because yeah. he's a songwriter. And Lori too, and anybody above us, but um, which is just the way television works. But um, I, I really like that too, going back and watching that episode because everybody wants to know, right? It's the question, it's the name of the episode. And um, and he kind of gives them like uh, a very like, you know, Dylan's very much like a cat. He's gonna give you this much and he's not gonna like climb on your lap but right away or ever at all really maybe. And, um, and I love that, but at the very end, it's in a very private moment between Kelly and Dylan that he says, I miss my friends and I miss you. And I think, you know, it was so satisfying. It was so simple, but it was such a satisfying answer to that. Yeah. Especially for that show. Especially for this yes. show. That, that was well well needed. Aaron, how about for you as a fan of the show, watching back the scenes with Dylan and Kelly? I love those two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just, I always, I always did. I was always, I, 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 I just, I, I loved them. I, I, I love Jenny. Um, and I love Luke and, and I, uh, you know, seeing it again, I miss him so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't have, we had a relationship that went after the show in the way that Luke had a lot of relationships with everybody in the sense that he was so warm and he could just drop back into your life for like an hour and, and exit and your whole day was like so much better. Um, but they were amazing scene partners yeah. and they knew what they were doing so well. And that, that's the kind of stuff that, um, that's just the the genius of the casting process for those two characters because you put them in a frame and like they were just they were just great they were always great i want to ask you too and i'd want to ask you guys about luke and your experiences working with him but i there, there's also a line when um dylan comes to the door and he says uh someone says where's brenda and they and he says i don't know ask her like I'm not here with Brenda. That's oh, that's long over. But do you feel a responsibility at that time to have to write things in like that because fans know the last time we saw heard about Dylan, he was in London with Brenda. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, that is the thing about the 90210 fans. Like they, like you said, they're tracking everything. So is the moment you know an audience in their mind stops paying attention to a scene because they're thinking, but where's Brenda? Where's Brenda? Like he has to mention, well, he's got to say we're Brenda. It's like, what's going on? You've got to, you have to address it. And there was a lot um, in that very last scene. Michael, I know that all directors love shooting in a foyer with 27 people. <laughs> it's such, so much fun, I know. But I remember because it was our first episode of television and like we were a little more like, I mean, I was a little more like type A about like, well, we make sure we cover this, and I'm, I'm sure we're missing a billion things, but like, make sure we cover this. I remember being really agitated because we weren't taking the moment to introduce Dylan to half the people in the room he hasn't met yet, even though it's the last two minutes of the show, which no one cares. They just want to see the people we know each other. So we're like, 
But um, you have to make choices, in, especially in the last scene, because everybody has an internal clock. Usually when they're watching television, they know the show's almost over. So they start getting also a little like anxious, like, well, you need to cover this and you need to cover that. And I think that was something that needed to be referred to or covered. Yeah. Where was Brenda? Yeah. I'd like to look up the script. I have the script somewhere. I have to find it. But I'd love to look up the script because that line seems like an improv from Luke. Mm. Why I don't know. Why don't you ask her? Like I'd I'd be curious to see if if that was even that's in the script. Was. Yeah, I'm sure that I I don't know because that's so that is so Luke. Like so yeah. I don't I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to do a little digging and see if there was another line written or not. It is very interesting too because I mean you're a you know Aaron you're a fan of the show. You're both all fans of the show, whatever. But you know, you have to know that there's a diehard Brenda contingency that is constantly asking for Brenda. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, this podcast, <laughs> they're constantly asking for Shannon to come on. I'd love yeah. to have her on, obviously, but you know, there's just things that happen that are just not going to make things happen like that. Did right. you find that too? Where in the process of that, like, you've got to have Brenda. You, you know, are, will you bring Brenda? Was there a lot of that stuff happening? Yeah, we were sort of the nerds who were always jockeying for stuff like that. I mean, but at the time, I think Shannon was doing Charmed. So I think she was she was still in the spelling family, I think, at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm almost positive. Michael, you directed a bunch of those, didn't you? Um, Char Charmed? Charmed? You didn't. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I think it was just pretty clear, like, Shannon, uh, Brenda's not coming back, you know? Right. Like, yeah, I think when we Brenda's got there, not coming back. Yeah, by the time we got there, it was pretty known that, even if we asked once or twice, I think the answer was consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, and I, by the way, I love Shannon. Like, yeah. I think, and I love Brenda. Yeah. Like exactly. we actually got to work. We actually got to work with Shannon on North shore. Mm -hmm. um, oh. And yeah. And, and I think she, I mean, I love, love Shannon Doherty yep. as an actress too. Like she's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that there was like a, a part of at least me who was like, Oh, I want to pull those toys out and play with them. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like you got, we got to have Luke Perry back, you know, like, it's huge. And, yeah. and that was massive. And, but I mean, I, I think I, I'm trying to remember, and I'm sure the podcast will get there at some point, the finale, the finale, finale, finale. Hold. I, yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. Yeah, no, we right. So I mean, episodes I, like, left. like, but yeah. I, like, I'm just, I'm thinking in my mind, like, those conversations would always still happen. The ones yeah. that you're asking about, sure. you know, that yeah. would always get floated. Like, I don't think there was ever a like definitive, like, this will not ever happen. I think right. that there was like, could it happen? Can it happen? Would it happen? How does everybody feel? Oh, it's the finale, you know. So, so they they were always people were always talking about it, but Shannon was busy. Yeah. And, and, you know, and she's just got, she's got a lot right now in her life. So for my podcast, yes. oh, yeah. watching this, you know, let her deal with yeah. her stuff, please. Yeah. I don't want to, yeah. it's not a priority. No, she, I would love for her no, to, but, yes, but you know. Yeah. No, she's, but she's great. She's a fantastic actor. Was there a consideration to have Dylan and Valerie cross paths at all in this because of their history? Or was it just not possible based on timing and all that stuff? I think that the the decision was made to have them cross in the night. Like they they just miss each other. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was also born out of like making sure that you and Michael too, like you you would probably know better. But it was like, okay, we've got a very crowded stage. Let's get her out because like there's so much history between Dylan and 
Val, that like that would have required a, a scene that would just have taken you down a totally different path. So I think the idea was like, let, let, let's have a great moment between not only her and Kelly, but also between her and David, because they had a lot of stuff going yeah. down. And then let's make sure that the, that the Luke entrance is its own thing, yeah. unadulterated. Yeah. Was, Michael, do you remember that? Was that a thought in your mind? Are they going to put Tiffany and Luke together? Or were you kind of happier the way it played out? I was happier the way it, yeah, the way it played out was great. Because it was what, what Aaron just said. I mean, it's, you want that to be the focus of, of the scene. Like, here's Luke. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I think as a super fan myself, this losing Jason Priestley on the show, uh, Brandon, is so hard to stomach. You know what I mean? He is the show. Mm -hmm. But getting Luke Perry back, I'm still there. I'm not, you know, I'm 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 all in. But Luke Perry is so good and uh throughout the entire series, and to see him back with his friends is is powerful. Yeah. Uh, you guys got to know all three of you got to know Luke in a very personal way. Um, and I know he could challenge the writers at times uh, in previous years. Um, what was Luke Perry like to work with? Uh, Aaron, you kind of will let you finish sort of your thoughts on, on Luke Perry. Mine. Um, a complete dream. I, yeah. I, I don't, I mean a dream, like he was, he was warm. He was, um, he, when he spoke to you, it was like, you were the only person in the room. And I don't mean that in a manipulative way. It was a sincere way. He made the most incredible eye contact. Um, he was tactile. Like he'd put your, he'd put his hand on your shoulder or he'd, he, you know, when you were talking to him, he, he'd lean in close and he just was, he just was like a, just a great guy. And I, I don't remember the ins and outs of why he came back. You know, like I, I don't, I don't really know the how that was arranged. I don't know if it was like, oh, we're losing Jason. Okay, let's top this, and and you know, I, I don't know how the negotiations worked or whatever. But the thing that was so cool was he could have come back and made everybody's lives a living hell. You know, he could have come back and been like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not. You know, and a lot of actors who've been on shows that long will often just be like, well, I wouldn't do that because they have fused with the character. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> they don't remember <laughs> a difference, a world right. when there were two separate entities. Um, and he didn't do that. He was, I, I remember him as being totally game all the time, ready to jump in. Um, maybe he would have some notes on dialogue or maybe he would just like, at that point he was maybe just like, he would maybe, do a little bit of an improv, but I don't remember. I mean, John Eisendrath would probably be the best person to ask about, you know, at the higher levels. But I, I seem to recall like he would call in occasionally, but I don't, I think even John, like it'd be like, yeah, I spoke to Luke. He, you know, we just want to maybe tweak this or tweak that, but it was nothing major. Right. Nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah. nothing. Gretchen. I agree with that. And I think also what was my memory of Luke was that, you know, in a lot of ways, Aaron and I were, since we were the new kids on the block, it, when he came back, he assumed his role back amongst that family in a really wonderful way. And he was 
he treated us always like a host, uh, a mentor, or what he wanted to make sure we were ever always comfortable when we were on set. And I, he was never the type of person. Also, you would get sometimes on never this show, but on other shows, when you've got a junior writer on set, uh, uh, you know, it could be an actor or anybody will come and be like, I'm going to get in their ear because I want to get, you know, I want to get an agenda back to the room or whatever. And it's sort of like, here's the weakling, here's the newbie, here's the whatever. But Luke was the opposite of that. It, I, I almost feel like he felt like it, it was his role as an elder statesman to make sure when we were there that we were learning as much as we could, that we were comfortable, that we were welcome, we were like, it, and he had that, he just had this warmth and this presence and an ease to him that it was so wonderful to be around. And so I feel really lucky that we got to work with him at that time. And, and as Aaron said, we have seen, right, we've crossed paths many times and, and he's always, he was always the same, which is just one of the most unique, genuine human beings I've ever met. And he, I feel very fortunate that we got to be part of like the Luke Perry story in a very small way. Mm. Very lucky. Well, Michael, you worked with him in various stages of his career and you came and you were working on this with him uh, when he came back. Um, and you've, you've shared your thoughts on Luke. What was he like here for you in this time period? Everything they said, I would uh, second that. And then, you know, the, the, um, I mean, I'm not a big discusser in TV. You don't have a lot of time to discuss scenes. Like I studied theater in college and the beauty of theater is you can just talk about a scene and try it so many different ways and really see what works and, and then, you know, find things. And in TV, there's no time for that, especially in Aaron Spelling TV. Um, so, but Luke would be like me, like I try to find I try to distill my notes into like one or two words that are just boom, impactful, get, get it across, have the actor take it in. And, and a lot of actors that I've worked with love to just discuss ad nauseum. And Luke was not that actor. He would do exactly the same thing. He was very smart, really analytical about his role, but not over analytical. So he would be able to distill a problem that he had into a very few words, work it out quickly, and then either accept, no, this is how we have to do it because, I mean, that's the other thing is if ultimately we had to do it a certain way because that's how it was in the script, he would just take a deep breath and kill it. He would just do a great job, even though he disagreed with it, which mm. is beautiful. Yes. Thing that I have that I would like to say about him is that I have found that there is a inverse relationship between the talent of an actor and the personality of the person. Usually, the more talented an actor, the more aggravating person they are in real life. And Luke did not fall. He was incredibly talented and an incredibly great human being, and that is. He, he might be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. and, and he had... The most impactful thing, that's the thing that I would go to first about my working with Luke is, is that he was both amazingly talented and an amazing human being. Mm -hmm. He was so grateful and, and thankful because he had done, he had laughed and had successful, done some successful features 
yeah. you know, and had some, 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 some great roles. He did a movie with Ashley Judd that he was great in and um, the bull riding one, like he, at, but what was also nice was, you know, after 10 years on that show and that cast was worked really hard. I mean, for, for as, for as um, efficient as those days were, so like there were times when we would shoot two episodes simultaneously that show, you know, the hiatus was really small. Um, it was a different time just in terms of like, you were either doing TV or features for actors. There wasn't as much crossover. Um, but at that time in the run of the show, seasons nine and 10, Tori was starting to do movies. She had had some success at Sundance. Um, you know, Jenny was doing stuff. Tiffany was leaving. Like there was also sort of a, um, um, and everyone was super professional, but there was sort of a, we've been doing this for 10 years. What's next? What's next? We've been doing this for nine years. What's next? What's next? And um, as everybody does, you get, you know, you want, you want to try and do different things. And they'd been doing this for a long time. And when they worked on that show, you know, like they were, Kelly, Jenny was Kelly Taylor for, you know, like 11 months out of the year. Um, but the other thing that Luke brought to the party. And again, it wasn't like the show was in need of it, but he brought the perspective of like, we're still lucky to be doing this. Like, let's still right. be thankful, you know, like, yeah, maybe that, maybe this is dumb, but like, but who cares, you know, because he, he, so he brought an, an appreciation again. He was kind of this like jolt of energy and, and the cast, um, so they responded in kind. I mean, they were, I think they were all so happy that he was back as well. Um, but there was a night he gave the, he gave that those two last seasons, a nice jolt. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I want to ask you guys about another thing. Um, another controversial thing that came up in the press. And I'm sure you guys saw this Jessica Alba story about there was a rule on set where uh, there, there could be no eye contact with the actors. And I'm curious to get the three of your perspectives on this because it, it's been a very bizarre story <laughs> you know um aaron have you ever heard anything like that with the actors that there was some no i i i hadn't i mean i don't know um again like at the at that time there's there, there's no excuse to to treat anybody poorly or ignore anybody so i don't know what i don't know i don't even know how so it doesn't matter if jessica alba was an extra or if she had like five lines like everybody should be nice um i i i I never experienced anything like that. I never, there certainly wasn't a rule that was like that you, you can't, there were so many guest cast coming in and out of there uh, all the time. Um, I think it would really be getting, that would really get around. I think there'd be many more stories. Yeah. Michael, uh, you as a director, had you ever heard that? On 90210? Yeah. No. And in fact, here, here's a funny little, I um when we had a nanny, you know, as when I when my kids were younger, and so I was shooting an episode, and the nanny was had been she was Swedish, and very huge fan of the show. So I brought her to the set, and she just stood there right next to me, and was just like, I think it was Jason Priestley was in the scene, so she was like just staring at him so, you know, intently that he did finally come over to me, and he said. So he was so nice about it. He just said, could, could I just talk to you for a second? He said, is there a way that you could ask her to maybe not be on the set for the next take? <laughs> Other actors I've worked with would just walk off the set. I can't, right. you know, 
but he just took me aside and I said, oh yeah, of course, I'll, you know, I apologize and spoke to the nanny. I fired her, sent her back to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, well we're, yeah. We're, yeah. Uh, I've had other sets where there were things like that, but not 90210. Mm. There, everyone was great. I mean, and I think it, it comes from the top. I mean, uh, Aaron Spelling was just a decent guy. Yeah. How about how about you? How about you, Gretchen? Did you ever hear of that? You mean, no, you, actually, I didn't even. Story. Yeah. I I didn't even hear the Jessica Elwood story, so I'm sorry. I like I'm like what? I should really get online and read things. But um, I no. I as a matter of fact, my memory is again. I like w would be on set and I, look. They were for so a big chunk of their lives some of the most famous people on the planet and the most recognizable people on the planet. And they would go every day to this tiny little turned over warehouse stage and, <laughs> and film a show in a bubble amongst the same hundred and something people every day. And then if they left their house, they were mobbed. And that's the truth. I mean, they were massive stars. So, and I'm a middle child, so I'm coming up with weird excuses for people. Maybe there was a day when they were had a bad day and some, but I can't imagine anybody saying anything like that on set because I feel like we'd be on set and we, and like they'd come over and say hey how you like like I've always felt very greeted and and if you were new it was almost like there's a new person here <laughs> let's go say hi right. and that was crew and that was cast that was anybody so yeah. no I actually I never had that experience at all there at all we're, we're hearing that over and over all the guest stars have come out and said you know it was an amazing experience not sure what happened with Jessica there you know maybe just uh the wrong person said the wrong thing and she misunderstood it for you know or whatever it is yeah, yeah. anyway guys I think we covered this episode uh really great I love this season nine and I love this episode I thought you handled Luke Perry's return amazingly uh what what an awesome time to be a fan and see him come back to the show i think it's something that everybody dreamed of you know and you guys got that opportunity and it was a home run all the way around from michael gretchen and aaron so uh and thank you for spending your time here with me and chatting more i'd love to do more of these with you guys as you know so uh we will dive more deeply into other things that you guys did with the uh with the series in those two season so uh thank you that was great awesome. to be here. thanks to nice uh, to see you michael yeah nice to see you and such great work post 90210 i've just been following your careers with amazement and not surprised because i remember even as baby writers it was clear you were going to go that way uh, well, well the feeling is super mutual and you know one one other thing just about about the way that we did stuff at, at spelling and this tilts back to michael aaron spelling had fiefdoms in terms of how we how we operated and sort of and it was a great way to do things in a lot of ways because the writers were in charge of doing scripts the 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 production was over here and the directors um you know they we didn't have a writer on the set so all of that direction is Michael's work. I mean, nowadays, sometimes directors might be like, oh, I had a writer over my shoulder this entire time. And But like when you handed off a script, I mean, it was basically the director, it was, that's the director's movie. Mm. And, um, and so it was also, it was great because you really, it, it really taught us that you can also, you don't have to be there looking over the shoulder. You hire good directors. Mm -hmm. And then you let them do their thing, and you know they did the cuts, and then they, so there was it was just a lot. It was a it was a really efficient way to do things, and 
it was a really fun way to watch different directors work. And so, I mean, so the fact that you like that episode, it, it's it's very much about what Michael brought to it because yeah. those dire those directors, they you guys were on your own. And yeah, yeah, and Michael brings a bounce. I mean, you just do, Michael. Like you're you are a fun person, and there is a there is an energy and a bounce to your work. And it's it's and it when we worked with you again on Roswell, and so like we. We're a fan and we continue to be a fan. And so let's work together again. <laughs> That'd be great. Great. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Peter. Thanks so much. Thank you.